Hello, everyone. My name's Aiden. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Behind the Scalpel. Welcome to part two of our chat with Dr. Wasim Awal, which is a continuation of our previous episode. So with all this in mind, at the moment, you've got a lot of things under your belt. Uh, Research, we've talked about internship, your channel, social life, exercise, sleep may be important as well. (laughs) How do you juggle everything at the same time? So... I feel like the busier busier I am, the less I procrastinate and waste time. Um, and I do believe that I um, waste a lot less time than the average person. So I try to squeeze as much as I can out of the day. And I feel like that discipline makes me happier. And, and I get a lot more satisfaction out of my day because I'm busy. So um, I continue to try to be busy, if that makes sense. And I I don't, I don't um, necessarily restrict my opportunities um, because of time. That said, I am very careful when I'm prioritizing things. So I definitely think you know sleep is very important. So I I, I always get seven to eight hours of sleep. Um, very rarely do I get less um, because I prioritize that. And the other thing I prioritize is social life. So. Um, because that's the thing that will make us happy in the long term is is the people around us, um, and that's that's not just something I'm saying. That's what studies show. Like that's like the one thing that um, will bring personal fulfillment is is the uh, the people that the and the loved ones around us. So I'll try and give time uh, to those few friends, the few close friends I have, and family and whatnot, um, and then. After that exercise, so just health-wise, eating well and, and gymming, um, I'll prioritize third. And then everything after that. Um, so in terms of like uh, my YouTube channel, that's pretty low down my priority list, but still there. And then research is probably a bit higher. Um, and what else? What else are we talking about? Um, social life? Yeah, yeah. as I mentioned, that's pretty high up. Yeah, Probably like second... Um, internship has got to take the cake. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the time, I'm obviously going to show up to work and try my best there. So, yeah, that's a given. Um, I, so my philosophy with in terms of time management is the three P's. So, plan, prioritize, and Parkinson's law. So I plan ahead as much as I can with my calendar, um, and block out time for certain tasks that I need to get done. Um. And then I prioritize. So as everything I just mentioned, I have that priority and I make sure that whatever's higher, I get done first. Um, and then Parkinson's law is, um, is is a law that states that time constricts and expands to fill the time allocated to it. Sorry, work constricts and expands to fill the time allocated to it. So if you, for example... Um, assign all day to start your DLAP assignment. It's going to take you all day to write, you know, that one paragraph, whatever. If you assign yourself 20 minutes to write that one paragraph, it will be crappy, but you'll, you'll get it done. And it doesn't matter if it's crappy because as long as you've started, right? 
So that applies to many other things, even the things that you, you couldn't even think about. Um, if you restrict the time you allocate to it, you'll find a way to get it done. Um, and you can, you can always find ways to be more efficient with the work you do. So like I try to leave work on time, even though I'm quite busy during the day when I have a lot of patience. But um, if you work very efficiently, then it should be okay and you should be able to fit everything else in. Because I know some interns can get stuck in the loop of working a lot of overtime and that's going to affect their mental health. That's going to affect their social life and their personal health and everything. Um, so that's definitely very important, that whole Parkinson's law thing. Yeah, Parkinson's law is something I've experienced myself. I try to trick myself into thinking, oh, something's due tomorrow. I better get it done today. <laughs> but it doesn't work because um, I guess the reality is always there that it's due later. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But uh, I guess that that's also something I've experienced when you say the more that you put on yourself, the more you have on your plate, the more productive you become. Because uh, I guess you've filled up your time now with something and there's more of a momentum once you feel that obligation to do something, uh, whatever you've allocated yourself to do. Uh, you build up momentum and you eventually do more things. So what does a typical day in your life look like? Mm. It's very hard to answer because it depends on the day. Um, but I'll take a random day from last week. Um, I went to work. So general medicine, it's pretty chill. I start at eight, I finish at four, which is great. Um, orthopedics was a lot worse, which was my last rotation. That was like uh, 6.30 till five most days. Um, but other way, I get home at... Um, about 4.30 and then I think uh, the day I'm talking about, I just edits, edited some videos um, for my YouTube channel for about an hour and then I, uh, I had some food and then I went to the gym um, from 5.30 to 6.30. Uh, after 6.30, I um, hung out with my partner for a bit and then at 7.30, I went back to editing um, until about 9.30. Um, and then I, what did I do? I read up on some uh, GSSE stuff. So uh, studying for the GSSE, which I'm planning to do next year. Um, and then I slept at about, uh, no, actually after that, I watched some Netflix with my partner and then I went to bed at around 10.30. So that was like a... I guess pretty typical day. Um, the things I do after work vary, obviously. Like some days I'll um, do research instead of editing. Some days I'll be filming a video. Some days I'll be, I don't know, studying a bit more. Uh, it, re it really depends. And obviously social life. So if I if if I have to catch up with a friend, I'll I'll, I'll make sure to prioritize that. Mm. And for our listeners out there that may not. No. Can you explain what the GSSE is? Yep. So it's the General Surgical Science Examination, I think. And uh, it's also known as the primaries, the surgical primaries. It's the exam that um, 
all junior doctors and and unaccredited registrars have to do at one point um, to get onto a surgical education and training or set program. So that's your that's the training program for a surgical subspecialty. Um, it has three parts. It's got anatomy, physiology, and pathology, and you have to pass all three parts basically to pass the entire exam. And it's just one hurdle um, that all everyone that's interested in surgery needs to get done. Sounds good. And best of luck with studying for that and uh, sitting it next year. Thank you. Well. All right, this takes us to our final question, uh, something I think our listeners will be anticipating and uh, perhaps looking forward to the answer. If a medical student or perhaps even fellow intern came up to you and told you they are considering pursuing a surgical specialty, anyone, not necessarily orthopedic, otherwise you could talk about just orthopedics if that's what you're most comfortable with. What would you say to them? Mm. So obviously I'm not there yet and I haven't gone on to any program yet. So, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt. It's just my own experiences and it's the way I've done things. Um, but the what I would do is I'd look into the, or find a specialty that you're interested in um, and then look into the specialties requirements for selection. Um, so if I use orthopedics as an example, um, there's the, for the CV, you have to get a uh, certain amount of publications, certain amount of presentations, um, and there's some courses you can do. There's higher degree study that you can do for points, and um, there's certain rotations that count after PGY3 that you can do. Um, basically, know all this stuff back to front, um, and just try work on them as you can. So in terms of research, the best way to get involved, which is a very common question of how to get involved with research, um, is just to reach out to people in, in the field that you're interested in. Um, just cold call them, cold email them, um, or even just reach out to a doctor that you do know, that you've met on your placements, um, or that you, you've heard of, um, or even an academic at your uni. Um, that's something I've done. I've done all three of those things at different points. So I remember I got a project after talking to someone, um, a, a knee surgeon who came to Griffith to talk about sports med. And I just approached him afterwards and asked him about research. And he was happy to um, have me on for one of his projects. Um, I've, I've done a project with Dissa at Griffith, uh, which was great because he he's a lot more responsive than a lot of surgeons in terms of emails and he's always willing to help. And then uh, I've done projects with uh, my mentor, so someone I know. So there's a lot of, th and that's it doesn't end there. There's a lot more other sources of research, which I actually have a video on if you're really interested, but there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there that you can seek. Um, and yeah, just go for it because like, I mean, and the, the other thing that stops people is not knowing how to do things. So like, oh, I've never done a meta-analysis. How, how the hell do I get started with one? Um, and I felt the exact same way, especially for this like engineering project that I'm doing that or that I did. Um, I had no idea about what stress and strain and the difference between toughness and stiffness were and like all these weird and wonderful engineering things. But you'll find a way to learn it, right? Like you, 
every, everyone here and everyone listening to this has the capability to do just about anything and learn just about anything. Like, like it's not like um, some rocket scientist has some high IQ that you'll never attain. It's not, that's not the reason they can make rockets. It's because they've studied it. So the only difference between you and them is that they've just read up on it. So you, like what's stopping you from reading up on it? You have the internet at your hands. You can learn almost anything um, within, a, like, you know, just given some time, you can learn anything in this world. Um, so there's, uh, and there's a lot of, there's a wealth of information on the internet for just about anything. Um, so that shouldn't be a barrier for you to get started with research, I reckon. Um, then in terms of, I guess it depends what stage that person is at. If they're still a medical student, um, be good to get some just exposure. Uh, unfortunately, as bad as it is, surgery is, is more of a who you know than what you know game these days. Um, and it's just, just a sad reality. Um, so it's, it's best to build on those connections um, and try and prove yourself. Um, and that, that might involve just going to the department, shadowing in your spare time, assisting in surgeries. Um, and obviously the research helps to like, uh, develop those connections. Um, and then once you're a bit later on, so once you've graduated, then it's probably time to start looking into the other requirements. So we've spoken about GSSE. It's best to get that done as early as possible. Um, once you're an intern at JHO for two reasons. One, you'll have less time later on when, when you're a registrar. Um, and two, you're, it uses a lot of medical student knowledge or that anatomy that you learn in medical school. Especially at Griffith, we have a fantastic anatomy program compared to other unis. All that anatomy is extremely useful for the GSSE. And so is the pathology and physiology. So um, getting on top of it, even end of fourth year, to start studying that would be great like you have that big holiday just chip away at it and then sit at some like maybe midway between internship that would be if i if i could go back in time that's what i would do um obviously it's a a lot of a lot to ask especially when you finish med school to go back to studying like and i understand that um but you know it saves a lot of hassle and headache afterwards because it's it's quite difficult to study after a long day of work um and then the, the other thing is courses. So there's a bunch of RACS courses that are often compulsory for many of the surgical subspecialties. <clears throat> um, so yeah, look into those. Um, and um, oh yeah, the other thing I forgot to mention was the conferences um, side of things. So um, probably the, one of my best um parts of, of med school was the ability to go to different conferences and present the research. And I feel like a lot of medical students don't know that you can just submit your own research into conferences and um, if it gets accepted, you can present. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the thing is like, if, if, you, if you're looking to present at conferences, uh, my advice would be not to be scared of oral presentations or poster presentations despite you presenting to these big dog surgeons um it's it's uh encouraged it's it's looked upon favorably if if you're a medical student at these conferences too so just look out for these conferences if you're doing research because 
honestly, it's a great, great experience to be able to present at these at these things. And just to continue on with the conference side of things, uh, there is available for medical students the ASSC, um, which is an annual conference uh, held by ASSA. Um, and there is also the Queensland Surgical Interest Conference uh, coming up in uh, later in September. Tickets are closing very soon, so make sure you get your ticket. If you've enjoyed this part so far, please continue on to our next episode to hear more. Thank you for listening to another episode of Behind the Scalpel. If you want more episodes, search for Behind the Scalpel on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.